0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Small details or big surfaces, tight corners or
1: odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.
4: uh, those transformative moments, you can try anything you want. You can do anything you want in your lives, and and that was a time. And I was like, you know, I just want to turn this into something interesting for me. I just want to see if this can have any self help or or uh, or uh, uh, meaning in my own life. So uh instead of just just you know running away, or instead of just uh, trying to get over it quickly, I turned that into something fun. And this has taught me a lesson, meaning like. Every time we have a failure, we can turn those failures or into something useful because there are a lot more many people who have failures. And if you can, um, you can learn from the failure and actually share your failure, if you're brave enough to say what you learned from this failure, and you can turn something really bad into something really good. And uh, in my case, it became a life mission. <music>
5: Gio, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Hey, thank you for having me, Srini. Yeah, my pleasure. So, you know, it's interesting. I have uh, seen you speak at the World Domination Summit, and somebody actually sent your story my way, and I had come across it before. Uh, And I was really intrigued, especially because I know you have a book coming out. But before we get into the book or any of that, uh, can you tell us a a bit about yourself, your story, your journey, your background, and how that has brought you to what you're up to in the world today?
4: Yeah, um, I've been i I grew up in Beijing china, and uh I've always wanted was to become entrepreneur uh that was when in the early nineteen nineties I saw Bill Gates and he was a big inspiration in my life so I came to the states later on and uh and then just going through the American dream you know like go, <laughs> going to school build, buying a house and 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 everything um uh, getting a better job and and made money and all all that. But I really just I felt I was went away from my dream of being an entrepreneur. Uh, mm-hmm. even though I made pretty good money, I was living very comfortably. But I felt that's not what i uh, I was meant to do. So um when I was thirty, I quit my job. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I did that earlier, but, you got to do that sooner or later, right? So when I quit my job when I was 30, I'd started my own company. And um, that's where I met this fate of rejection. You know, I got rejected with an investment. And I felt so bad that that uh, I, w- I almost wanted to quit when I got rejected. Um, and the thing is, this brought up all these past um, feelings that I had in my life where every time I feel like I was about to do something i was so afraid to be rejected by someone and uh, that i just kept tep- kept telling myself not to do it and then sometimes when i just hear got a little rejection um whether this someone telling me my idea wasn't good um uh, i would just quit uh, because i thought this if someone told me that must be true um this is where it came to me i found this is a big problem in my life i have to I cannot be dictated by this fear of rejection anymore. Otherwise, you know, do you think Bill Gates would quit um, after a simple rejection from an investor? Uh, No way. So no matter what I do, whether that's uh, being an entrepreneur or having a career, I have to overcome this fear of rejection. So this became my thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, after that, I, I started my blog. Um, it's called 100 Days of Rejection. Uh, if you're interested, you can go to fearbuster.com to, to look at the blog. Uh, I started this about two years ago, uh, where uh, every day I would go out and look for rejection instead of running away from it. And I would record my rejection attempts and I made a video blog about it. And the thing is, um, started as a side pet project because just overcome my fear and I was having fun with it. Then it turned to be pretty big because a lot of people started writing me emails and telling me that, hey, uh, what you're doing is inspiring because they also had this fear of rejection. So uh, now this has um, turned from a side project or um, something for myself into a life mission where I can help others overcome their fear Mm -hmm. of rejection.
5: All right. So we'll, we're going to get into all of that and talk about that in more detail. But you know, I, I want to go back to something that you said earlier about quitting your job. And you just said, you know, you got to do it sometime, right? Yeah. I think that if somehow we get into our heads that there's going to be a perfect time to do all these things that we want to do with our lives. And I'm really interested in, in what enabled you to do that uh, and then, you know, what it is it that keeps people from taking the leap into things that they're uncertain about and, you know, how they overcome that fear?
4: That's a very interesting point because um, we we do always feel like, you know, uh, there's a time that will come. I had this conversation with a lot of people before I Quit my job before you know. People kept telling me, "Yeah, you should just do this. Maybe you can uh, be better at your career. Maybe you can make this, uh, take this step. Maybe once you become a leader of certain amount of people, like if you, uh, you know, uh, maybe you can have uh, managed over fifteen people. Now you have experience. Maybe you okay, you make a certain amount of money. Now you have all the savings for you to do this. The thing is, that number." keeps changing. I just feel like, you know, a lot of times the number, the time should be now. And because it's Throughout my life, I just kept telling me that same story, but with different goals. You know, it used to be if you go to business school, then you can become entrepreneur. It used to be, be- once you find a job for a couple of years, you can, you can become entrepreneur. When it used to be once you like save like maybe $50,000, you can have the, like I always tell, to, to, you know, told myself those, but that day never came until that, um, my son was born. You know, um, I became a parent and that was a life changing moment where I felt, wow, usually this is where people quit. Mm-hmm. Of having those dreams is, you know, there's, uh, you're a parent now. Stop worrying about those dreams and uh, focus on your career and provide for your family and and things like that. But. Uh, this is, a, you know, that, that I, I, I didn't want my son to become my, my excuse of not pursuing my dream. So maybe someday I would come to him saying, hey, son, you know, I, I didn't do my dream. Be- I didn't uh, pursue my dream because of you. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's the worst thing to say. Mm-hmm. What, what I want to do is, hey, son, you were my catalyst of my entrepreneurship uh, dream. Because of you were born, I start pursuing my dream. So I can be an example to you. Now you can go chase after yours.
5: Hmm. You know, it's interesting. That story reminds me of a scene from a movie. Uh, that you may—I don't know if you've seen it. It's called The Rookie with um, Dennis Quaid, and he's a baseball player. And, Great
4: movie. Great yeah. movie.
5: And there's this very distinctive scene where his wife comes to him and says, "Okay, stay in pitch for one more week." And she said, "Besides, she said, what kind of message are we sending to that kid who looks up to you if we tell you to quit?"
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. And. Uh, uh, A lot of times we we make those excuses uh, because of our kid. Uh, But those are not, the the excuses are not solid excuses. It's because we want to, because we are afraid, because we want to quit. So we we use noble reasons to to quit. But the the most, I mean, the best reason is to keep going and because uh, you want to be an example. Yeah.
5: So how do you make the shift from using noble reasons to quit? to actually taking action?
4: It's where, um, I mean, as I mentioned, I've been wanting to do this for a long time and I had too many excuses and and then looking, that's where it's either now or never because I felt if I couldn't become entrepreneur, if I couldn't do the entrepreneur thing when I was like 18 years old, like some sort of whiz kid or maybe, maybe like 23 years old just right out of college or like, you know, after graduate school, I was twenty-seven or twenty-eight as a as a single guy, or even just as a married uh person. If if I couldn't do all that, um, and at those easier times in my life, when the when you hear a lot of this on TV or, uh, you know, in newspapers or on magazines, that's how people became entrepreneurs. If you couldn't do that at those age, and now you have a kid uh, on the way and you're 30 and you're about, it's pretty soon you're 35 or 40, like how, how, do you, how, how can you justify that? Mm-hmm. So it's really, there's that urgency uh, for me to, to, to feel like this is now or never. Mm
5: well let 's do this. I, I want to ask you an interesting question before we get into the entire hundred days of rejection. One sure. of the things that really fascinates me is that you looked at something like getting rejected by uh you know <clears throat> investors, something that most of us would consider a failure and most of us would take sort of badly and you transformed that <laughs> into just this massive opportunity and into a life mission so My question is how to learn to recognize moments that seem like they're really bad and turn them into something as wonderful as what you have.
4: Uh, It's a really insightful question because when they actually happen, it was just all bad, right? Um, But it's where... The the it's almost like the same thing as my uh having a kid, right? I mean, having a kid is a good thing, but the thing is that because of having a kid, I felt I was that my my dreams was slipping is you know slipping away from me, and that's almost a bad thing. So I turned that into a good thing by taking action. So it's the same thing here. Um When I was hit with this rejection, I I was hurt, and but I felt. I could either just uh, I could do one of a few things. I could just sulk and quit, or I could just try to move on. You know, that's that's what you know, I mean. That's what most most people would do. They would try to probably move on and and uh, you know try to move on to the next thing as soon as quickly as possible. But I felt that this has some bigger meaning in my life. I mean, it's almost like a, like a make me of a microcosm of my life mm-hmm. where I would hit with rejection and then I would just start running. Um, so this is a moment. When you're an entrepreneur, you feel like uh, those transformative moments you can try anything you want. You can do anything you want in your lives and And that was a time, and I was like, "You know, I just want to turn this into something interesting for me. I just want to see if this can have any self help or or uh, or uh, uh, meaning in my own life. so uh instead of just just you know running away or instead of just uh, trying to get over it quickly, I turned that into something fun, and this has taught me a lesson. Meaning like every time we have a failure, we can turn those failures or into something useful because there are a lot more, many people who have failures. And if you can, um, you can learn from the failure and actually share your failure. If you're brave enough to say what you learn from this failure and you can turn something really bad into something really good. And uh, in my case, it become a life mission.
5: hmm. So, Let me ask you this, uh, on that note, two questions. What do you think separates the person who looks at a failure and turns it into an opportunity like you have and turns it into a life mission versus the one who doesn't? Because I can tell you, I've often been the person who doesn't in some very, very difficult
4: failures. I think, um, I think having that awareness and intentionality is, is a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it is a, it is a really a big thing. It's not something that, um, I mean, I went through plenty of failures in my life, um, you know, and, but looking back, they all have some sort of, you know, made some purpose, had some purpose, um, you know, to the bigger picture. I'm not saying this as a kind of a revisionist history, but really felt that way, you know, when I look back. Um, so I think having a big life mission, having a big meaning in your life, that, is a big overarching um, story that you want to write. I mean, it's not a story that, that have been written already but it's a story that you want to write for your life and that's when you can start piecing everything together uh, that, that was your past in you know, your current your, uh, your your presence or your future that they all become part of a story and it, it's up to you it's almost like an author to, to turn those things into part of a big book I love how Steve Jobs did this you know in his uh, 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 in his uh, you know, address to Stanford you know the uh, you know the commencement speech he looked back and saying, "You know all his times, how he was he became an adopted kid, how he didn't finish college, they all contributed to his success or his story later on so I think having that meaning in life and and that that big overarching goal is super important mm-hmm. to 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 have to you know so we can turn these faders into something useful
5: okay. So two questions. One, how do you sort of shift the awareness and intentionality so that you can actually get the valuable lessons from them? And, you know, I know sometimes you don't get them when they happen. Like you, like you said, you know, sometimes you only get them, you know, when you look back. And then the other thing is that you've kind of brought up this idea of the bigger meaning of your life multiple times in our conversation, uh, how, how did you, I mean, it sounds like you uncovered that through a series of experiences, but how do people uncover what that bigger meaning and bigger purpose might be based on your experience?
4: These are very big questions. The first one is, how do you actually um, do this, right? How do you see this um, um, faders in meaning, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think having a mindset was very important. I'm, I'm not sure you're familiar with this book called uh, Mindset. Yep, by Carol uh, Black. Yes, it's a wonderful book. The book talks about how elastic our mind could be, or our ability, or talent can be. So if we have this growth mindset, we can that, that becomes a lot easier. We're like you know, I mean, instead of saying this failure defines me, we say it's the re- our reaction to the failure that defines us. Mm-hmm. So by having that growth mindset, meaning you can turn anything that happens into something useful if you have that right uh, right mindset. So, you know, so I think, you know, it's it's really crucial to to have that mindset. And secondly, what's your second question again? I'm sorry.
5: Um, Well, so, you know, we've talked about mindset, but, you know, finding the sort of bigger purpose and meaning of your life. I mean, you found it through this and and I I realize it's a very big question. I don't expect you to have a concrete answer for it, but it's something I'm very curious about. I mean, based on your experiences, how would you suggest people go
4: about finding that sort of bigger meaning and purpose of their life? So in my case, I can only I I can only talk about my experience. My feeling was uh, this is something I wanted to do since I was little. Right? And that dream um, did not go away. It only became stronger and stronger as time goes on. So having that thought, you know, we, we all had dreams. I mean, I think most of us has dreams uh, growing up, you know, whether that's to become the president, you know, or maybe rocket scientist, you know, just kind of these classic dreams. But if those dreams don't go away, that, that, that's telling us about something is telling us about maybe we should do something about it instead of having an excuse of not not pursuing the dream however far-fetched however unrealistic uh, they seem but you know most people i feel most people are not meant to have their dreams meaning you know they probably excuse themselves or not not you know they they, they i mean they they probably the talent is not there mm-hmm. but if after a certain amount of time is still there and after a certain amount of failures and after frustrations you you feel like you can still handle, it and the dream is still there. That's where I feel it's worth uh, pursuing that meaning. Hmm. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's shift gears a bit
5: and let's start talking about uh, the whole concept of 100 Days of Rejection because I know you have some really, really funny stories. I've heard some of these. And um, so, I, one, I'd love for you to talk to us about sort of, you know, coming up with the project and then starting it and, you know, walk us through the journey of that entire project.
4: So this is where I, um, um, I've never known blogging. Like, I, I read some blogs, but in here and there, but more like articles. But I didn't know The concept of blogging at all until I started doing this, and I wrote one blog post. uh, I put I posted on Hacker News. uh, That's when before my rejection. That was during my um uh, during my once i running my company, and I found wow people were engaging because I I touched on a subject that was. Universal. Uh, I talked. I talked about eight, you know uh, the right age for being an entrepreneur because I felt maybe I was too old and, and as a thirty-year-old. And then I felt a lot of people start writing me back and commenting on it. And that's a great way to actually connect with people. And so when this um, rejection happened, I thought, why not turn that into a. A blog as well. Maybe I can connect with the world that way. And uh, hey, if if uh, if I can drive some traffic to my website because of uh, you know you know because of that you know I need I need I need users for my app uh you know, for the app I was building you know that's just as good. But more importantly, this was something that was meaningful to me. And so it was meaningful to me. I really didn't care if people found that interesting or not because. You know, the if it's meaningful to me, that's good enough. So that's what I did. I um, I started blog I started blogging on uh, I started recording every single rejection I had. I started um, blogging about it what you know, I blogged about what I learned on each rejection attempts, and then it just got bigger and bigger. Hey,
5: it's Rini. I wanted to remind you again about our first live taping of the Unmistakable Creative on Thursday, August 9th in New York City at 7 PM, where I'll be interviewing former Unmistakable Creative guest Sarah Peck. I know some of you already bought tickets and we are going to limit the number of tickets to make sure that it is as intimate an experience as possible. So to get your ticket, just visit com slash live. Again, that's com slash live. And we look forward to meeting you in person. Hmm. So let's get into specifics, Um, you know, because it sounds like, you know, the you kind of kept leveling up the level of risk in every single thing you did, uh, you know, and I'd like you to walk us through that entire process.
4: So, yeah, it was at the beginning. I, um, I searched online. I found, I mean, the, the whole concept of rejection therapy was, uh, it, you know, it, it wasn't new. It wasn't mine. It was, uh, by this guy named Jason Comley. He's a Canadian guy. He, he invented this game about, you know, looking for rejection so you can desensitize yourself from the pain. So I said, th- I said, I'm going to. I'm going to uh, put my own spin on it. All right. I, I don't like uh, other people telling me what to do. I'll just come up with my own rejection attempts. Mm-hmm. And then I would, uh, I would uh, block. So the first day I, I um, asked to borrow a hundred dollars from a stranger. Uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a security guard guy. It was a pretty big guy. And I just felt, I was so scared when I, when I make, when I approached him at, Every step was was just, just felt ominous, and, uh, and uh, when I asked and say, "Can I borrow a hundred dollar from you?" the guy raised his head and he said, "No, why?" Then I just start running. I, I said, <laughs> I'm, I'm, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, um, bye," and I, I ran away, and. That it felt like literally like life and death. I know it wasn't, but it felt like it. Sure. So that that night, I was I saw my own video because I recorded this, and I, I saw how scared I was. I was like this guy on Sixth Sense, right? I mean the kid on Sixth Sense. I saw dead people, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and and I thought, wow, you know why why was that so scared? And this guy didn't look that menacing actually. And he actually asked me why. He was intrigued by my request. I could have just extended my conversation with him and explained myself but I didn't do all that I just started running that's all because I was scared and this felt like my life was like that every time I asked something I got rejected I just ran away mm-hmm. so you know the next day uh, I said no matter what happens I would not I would not uh, run. So the next day I went to like Five Guys Burger and asked them to make, uh, you know, for a burger refill. Uh, It's mainly like, I mean, they are like, what's a burger refill? And I said, well, just like, you know, I just finished a burger you had and can you give me a refill of a burger instead of a drink? And the guy was like perplexed. He was like, no. um, We don't do that. And I even said, "Um, well, can you tell your manager, you know, this is a great feedback for you guys. I would love you more (laughs) if if you do burger refill. And he's like, sure, I'll do it. So, But I walked away a lot better This time I felt better just because I did not run
1: Small details are big surfaces Tight corners are odd shapes Flat, rounded, textured, or tall Whatever your next project There's a spray paint pattern that's just right Because Rust-Oleum's new custom spray 5-in-1 Gives you control with five different spray patterns So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. When
3: you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips.
4: It's um, a valuable lesson I learned that never just run. Uh, every time you run, you are actually exposed to your, your own like shame and, 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 and feeling of f- failure if you run. But if you stay there, you walk out a winner usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is my second day. and Third day, and this is this is a thing I, I, I will stop here, but the third day is that everything changed where I went to a Krispy Kreme and asked for a donuts that looked like Olympic rings. And, uh, and this time, I was like, yeah, just give me my no. You know, I want to hear the no. I want to joke about it. I want to stay there. But the thing is, the person took me so seriously. The uh, the, the, the donut maker, and she took the time to write down what the color looked like. And eventually she came up with, with a way to make the donuts. And, um, it was, it was amazing. And, uh, I couldn't believe what it was like, um, uh, you know, to have that type of customer service experience. And I did and just the human kindness that was shown in that video, in that experience was, what just blew me away. Mm-hmm. This is where, I mean, so, so that video went viral and this is where I found, okay, I need to stop worrying about getting a yes or a no. I need to worry about just asking the uh, more and more outrageous things. I just want to see what happens. I want the world to tell me yes and no instead of me chasing after it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so this is a, like almost like a life-changing moment for me.
5: Hmm. So, okay. So this is really, really interesting. And I I love the fact that this was such a a life changing moment because it, it it, you know, like listening to you say that, I'm like, that doesn't sound like such a big deal, but it it really, you know, it's funny because it seems like with each little thing, you, you're teaching your brain whole new lessons about rejection uh, so l- let me ask you this talk to me about some of the more audacious things that you started to ask for and then what i actually want to do is start to talk about how it started to change you as a person and, and what this does um inside the human brain because i can't help but start wanting to talk about
4: neuroplasticity even though neither of us are neuroscientists yeah um yeah, absolutely. So, for example, there's one, um, there's a smaller things. Uh, one day I went into, uh, knock on someone's doors. Uh, I wanted to plant a flower in his backyard. Um, and the guy said, um, no, but instead of running away, I asked him why. Uh, and he said, you know, uh, what you're offering is cool. Um, I, I mean, but I can't have it because I have a dog that would dig up everything in my backyard. So, you know, if you want, you can go across the street to Lauren's house and Lauren loves flowers. So I did, and half an hour later, I did plant a flower in Lauren's backyard and she couldn't be happier. And this is where I learned. I learned some extremely valuable lessons here. One is a lot of times I just want to, I I felt like I need to convince everyone to like me, to want my idea. Mm -hmm. So I I wasted a lot of time doing that. But sometimes it's just me need to find the right person who desperately wanted what I had to offer. And then this is where I also learned I could ask why, um, and standing there ask why, and turn and, and find the underlying reason for the rejection. And in fact, just um, you know, and it wasn't because I wasn't trustworthy. It wasn't because I looked weird or whatever. But it was because what I offered did not fit his needs, and so he trusted me enough to offer me a referral. You know, using sales term. Um, actually converted. So these are just learning moments for, for, for me that not only like I learned, but also I became bolder and bolder. I just felt I can experiment on all these things. I can try all these techniques that I, I usually learn on books and, you know, I read it somewhere. I can practice here, you know, I can practice here over and over again because I got a hundred of these.
5: Let me ask you this. What misperceptions uh, do we as adults develop about failure or about rejection uh in particular uh that keep us from doing all, all of the things that we'd like to do because i mean you mentioned one of them is that you know we just don't happen to want what this or have what this other person wants but i'm really interested in uh you know the misperceptions and the, the lessons that you have learned about
4: that uh in addition to what you just shared I think we thought of rejection is we just think rejection is bad. Mm -hmm. That's in general, right? It's some sort of obstacle, you know, it's some sort of, uh, uh, you know, something we have to overcome, we have to forget about, but actually I learned rejection is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. If, if we can learn how to handle rejection, we can turn them into something very positive. We can actually learn from rejection and also, If, you know, I mean, the old saying says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? It's really true. And these rejections never kill us. And they always make us stronger if we let them to. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we, we have this comfort zone that's pretty sad. But if we gradually... If we put ourselves outside this comfort zone by getting rejected one at a time, you know, once at a time, we, we're expanding our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and gradually, we, we can ask, you know, things that, that we w- wouldn't dare before and do things we wouldn't dare before. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, it's kind of amazing. It's like our mental courage is like a muscle uh, it's not something that's either born with or not, but something we can just use rejection as an exercise to 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 learn from and I had no idea. This you know these were the case, uh, but now I can do it. In fact, I'm actually building something in uh, like online gym. It's called a rejection gym. Just just doing that, having people go through rejections one at a time, going through this hundred days, hmm. and afterward they can start asking things they 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 didn't even dream of. Hmm.
5: So let me ask you this: This is actually a very <laughs> out of personal curiosity question. Sure. One of the things I think that many of us do. Um, is that we take rejection very personally, uh, especially in the context of something like uh, a romantic situation or you know something that has to do with the opposite sex or in social interactions in particular I think sure uh, like you know to me you going and asking you know the person at Del Taco for some ridiculous order that doesn't seem like such a big deal I'm like okay whatever you don't take that personally because you don't it, it, there isn't like a social stigma tied to it but our cultural conditioning and, and sort of just our, our you know our, our evolution when it comes to rejection from other human beings uh, in the context of social interaction I think it's a it's a very very complex not to take it personally. And I'm really interested in hearing your perspective on this.
4: So a couple of things. One is, you know, that feeling of personal rejection is actually deep rooted in our DNA. You know, we, when our uh, ancestors were, they were like hunters and gatherers, they, they, they weren't the, the fastest or strongest. Um, but we, we, we succeeded in becoming hunters because we were one pretty smart and two, we actually collaborated with each other in a very um you know tight knit groups um If we get rejected by other people, that means sometimes we're out there on our own. Um, you know facing these animals and that literally meant life and death that's why that feeling of life and death of fear is still with us when we're getting rejected by other people mm-hmm. so um so there's yeah so there's a biological uh or maybe evolutionary you know explanation to why we feel we take this person so personally and we're, we're so afraid of this so but I, I do but i learned that you know i almost i'm not almost like i never take things personally anymore i used to a lot Lot. Mm. um because i i'm so used to rejection okay. uh small things big things and and it's uh, we, there's we we sometimes think there's a big disconnect between the smaller things that didn't matter to the big things that actually matter but it was actually for me all practice it was like when when i say Kobe Bryant or or maybe LeBron James you know when we're seeing them as so good on the court but they they practiced a lot. They mm-hmm. the games are not won because they were more talented than everyone on the court. But it was because they practiced uh, a lot in the dark gym uh, gyms at night and making jump shots and uh, free throws. So when the game is on the line, when something really matters to them, that they were they were doing uh, those those muscle memories and those those calmness all came back through practice. So I use small rejections or or, or a trivial rejections to get myself ready to big rejections mm-hmm. so I can, use, I can handle them the same way. And, it, it, you know, it has manifested in my life and business as well. You know, right now, I conduct my business in a completely different way. Just, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I embrace rejection all the time. You know, every time I, I start a project, I tell myself, how many no's can I take? How many rejections can I do before I give up? Usually, it's the number is pretty high, mm-hmm. and, and and more more than often, long before I run through that number of rejections, my goal would be reached.
5: Hmm. That's interesting.
4: Uh, you know, I love that you brought up the biological
5: and evolutionary piece, and, and I guess the question for me is, through this process, can we overcome our own biology?
4: I think we can. I really think, we, I mean, it's just like, you know, uh, so is our size of our muscle. That's also biology. Some people are naturally stronger than others. Mm-hmm. But if we, all, if we exercise, it's guaranteed that we'll all become stronger than we were before. We're not saying we'll all become micro Jordans of rejection, but we can compare to ourselves and maybe a few months ago or a year ago, we can become Michael Jordans in our own world mm-hmm. compared to ourselves.
5: So uh, let's do this. Um, tell me about some of the bigger, crazier things you started to ask for as you started to build this rejection muscle and how it started to transform you as a person and how you felt about yourself.
4: Yeah, so, um, one example was I, I uh, one day, I used to live in Austin, Texas. That's when this whole hundred days of rejection happened. Um, I went to the uh uh UT Austin, uh University of Texas in Austin, I knock on the professor's door and then he opened the door and I just asked him, Can I teach your class? <laughs> <laughs> and uh and uh he thought he at least at first he thought I was trying to sell him something, but I sat down, and, and he said, "I'll give you five minutes, you know, make you know, t- to say whatever you want to say to me." Then I sat down. I pulled out my iPad. I actually prepared for my lecture already before I went in because <laughs> I said p- people are probably going to say no to me, but you know what? I'm gonna. Act as if they would say yes. I would prepare for this lecture, so I showed him what I was, what what I would teach. It's about entrepreneurship. It's about overcoming the failure and things like things I knew the best, uh, you know, the most. And he was impressed. He's like, you know, actually, I think I can fit you into my curriculum. Um, so a couple months later, he invited me to give a give a guest lecture to his students, and it was it was very well received. Um, you know, just walking out of there, I would just thought. You know, I, I, I would always want to do this. This is like my lifelong dream to be able to teach a class at a, and to college students. You know, my, I come from a family of teachers. Uh, it's almost like fulfilling my family legacy. But I used to think I would have to accomplish so much. Uh, maybe I maybe have to be on a news, uh, you know, a newspaper cover, a magazine cover, I have to be on TV. So people would take me seriously. People would know what I had, uh, I have something to offer. But no, this time I just asked, and it turned out he wanted and needed what I had to say. So you know, this is a, a big life. Um, you know, it's like a lifelong dream just fulfilled, just like that. It, was, it came too quickly, and 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 I said, you know, if I if I there's things like this, I can just ask. What else shouldn't I ask? What else, you know, if I if I knew I prepared well, if I knew I treated seriously, if I knew I was respectful, uh, if I knew I wanted. Bad enough. I should ask anything I, I, I want without thinking that someone would reject me or something. You know, maybe this would be too silly. Mm-hmm.
5: All right. Well, let's do this. Let's talk about how people can start to apply this in their own lives. Because I mean, that's what this book is really about, right? Is how we ourselves can become rejection proof. Uh, And, you know, to me, as I'm listening to this, I can't help but think this would be incredibly valuable for almost anybody because it would just, it seems like, it seems like it doesn't matter how big of a thing it is that you attempt to get rejected at. It's simply just conditioning yourself for getting
4: rejected. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's the learning part, but also the exercising part. Mm I, I, you know, those two parts come, you know, kind of come hand in hand. But I, it's it's always more important for us to. Just feel you know we're okay to be reje- uh, to get rejected. We actually want to get rejected in some way, mm-hmm. just to toughen myself up. So if you want to make some change in your life and try to apply these principles, I just start something small. You know, go to go to uh, I don't know, go to office depot when you buy paper next time. Negotiate some sort of a discount. You know, <laughs> I mean, people never do that, uh, especially when, when you're at a big box office. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, stores. People don't negotiate. They're just like, you know, it is what it is. But why not? Why not negotiate? You know, just, and you'll probably get, get, um, be turned down. Mm-hmm. But have fun, you know, stay engaged and try to find ways so you can offer something, something, uh, them in return to, to get that. Yes. I mean, so, uh, you know, more maybe next time you walk into a Starbucks, go try to buy some, uh, some, you know, some coffee beans or, or something, you know, buy it buy something you don't normally buy, not the coffee, but something that in the back, buy some spoons or maybe get some, just ask for something free. I mean, you're not offending anyone by making these small requests and make it uh, make it clear that they can't say no. You know, like this is, a, you're asking for something that probably don't normally do, but beca- but you're still asking anyway. Um, but gradually, you will be amazed by what how these interactions turn out to be. Maybe you won't get a yes, but they're, they're always fine. Uh, and you... No matter how you get rejected, you will laugh that you have to know your life will not materially change before and after your rejection. Mm. So once you understand that, you know the the world becomes your playground. You can do anything you want. Mm.
5: I love that. Um, Well, let's let me let me ask you this. So, you know, we've talked quite a bit about, you know, how much your own life has changed. I mean, it's led you to all these amazing things like getting to write this book, a video that goes viral, uh, a, a wildly popular blog. Talk to me about how the lives of other people who've come into contact with this work have changed because of your own mission.
4: Yeah, that's uh that's something I'm really, really excited about because I um I've seen this in the rejection gym I'm building. This is you know, this is precisely what it is for. It's for people who who also have this fear of rejection or sometimes they Maybe not rejection, but they just f- fear failure, fear wasting time. There's A lot of fears in people's mind that are so limiting to us. So they use, re- so we use uh, rejection as a tool to exercise. And so uh, just I haven't started this for uh, like for long, but in the just in just just a few weeks I started. I've seen people like they say, wow, they really changed. They're asking stuff they've never asked before. I've seen people start asking for jobs that they didn't they felt they were not qualified for. There's one example was the one guy who wasn't in mean, sales for a long time. And he was, he became really good at it. Um, and, and, but he never wanted to try anything else. I mean, he wanted to, but he was like, this is the one thing I'm good at in life. And if I step out, maybe I won't be good at, and maybe, you know, I just don't want that risk. And then, you know, he, he saw my video, he started chatting with me Was I was helping through him through some of this. So he just went out and, and asked for a job that he didn't feel he was qualified for. It's a completely new career direction with this company. And, uh, pretty soon you know not only he got a job and he was really good at the job and pretty soon he he became uh, he started a new entrepreneur center for that uh, fortune 100 company in in UK mm-hmm. so these are just one example that was pretty outrageous, you know, to me that just because you, you, you get, get over this mental um, hurdle that, that you can, um, you, know, uh, you know, just kind of shoot for the stars and you never know what's going to happen. But the thing is, when you do that, I'm not guaranteed that you will get what you want mm-hmm. um, or anyone will get what they want. But one thing is they're going to be at a better place when they do this. Hmm. They're going to be closer to their dreams than they were before.
5: Well, I, I like—I really, really actually appreciate that you brought up that distinction that it's not going to necessarily lead to what you want per se, um, <clears throat> but it will get you that much closer. I mean, I think that what you're talking about would fundamentally alter somebody's personality for the better. And, and make them much stronger. Like I can't help but think that okay, a hundred days of asking for things that I get rejected at would completely change the association um, that we that I have with rejection to something completely different. As okay, I asked for something, somebody said no. Yep. Like it absolutely. seems like it would depersonalize the whole thing significantly.
4: Absolutely, and and just then, um, w- w- absolutely, and also it 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 uh, uh, free us from these results. Thing, you know, we, mm-hmm. we really want results and sometimes that's why we, we, we labor so hard trying to position ourselves to try to get that result. Uh, if you go on LinkedIn, uh, you see results oriented is one of the big buzzwords everyone uses, you know, somehow they're, they're all, you know, because they bring results. But the thing is, I found, you know, shooting for results actually a lot of times limit yourself, you know, like, you know, limits your, your creativity, limits your action uh, and, and make you fearful. And if w- I just focus, start focusing on actions, just mm-hmm. ask, just go out and try to learn new things and, and, and keep doing it. Go, go, go. And that way i i not often i mean not only I became better at would do what I was doing and became more confident, having more fun, but usually it led to better results mm-hmm. because of the confidence and 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 the actions I was making.
5: Well, you know, I I think that's that's really interesting you say that. And I I will share, you know, one personal story about something very similar. You know, I set a goal a long time ago to sell a thousand copies of a book. And I thought there's no way it it took me a long time to to actually strangely give up that goal because I thought, okay, I have no control over how many people are going to buy my book. And if I keep trying to write a book that is designed to sell a thousand copies, I'm going to kill my creativity. And then, you know, I blew that number out of the water in a way that I never expected I would because I realized it was Like, okay, I can control writing the book, I can control publishing the book, and that's it. And the rest, you know, is kind of left in the, in the hands of fate. And, of course, it ended up being a much better book because of
4: that. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's, what, that's the approach when I was writing my book as well. You know, there's, just forget about the results of how many books you're trying to sell. Just write a, write a good book and mm-hmm. let it. And, I mean, of course, do the hardest as you can to promote the book and market the book right. and, and, and tell people about it. But in the end, you know, there is an old Chinese saying, you know, strategy is based on people and the results is based on God. You know, in the end, it's really let you know, led to God or universe or whatever to decide your fate. Hmm.
5: Well, I, I think that makes a, a really, really beautiful way to wrap up our conversation. Ji, uh, I have one last question for you. Sure. Uh, what do you think it is
4: that makes somebody or something unmistakable? It's a fantastic question. The unmistakable um thing is if there people can argue with um what's best what's you know what what they need or something one thing they cannot um mistake is how much you want something you know what's your what you want in your life you know what you want in this. Um, They cannot argue with that because that's what you want you own that you own your own story you own your own actions So when you go out and talk tell people your story to live your life, you know That's you own that thing and live that to the full um, And no matter what other people say because they can't argue with what you want and what you need Hmm. Well, uh, Gia, this
5: has been just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share some of your story and your insights with our listeners here at The Unmistakable Creative. And uh, we will link up everything that we've talked about in the show notes, including some of the videos that we've talked about, as well as a link to Gia's
4: book. All right. Thank you, Srini. Yep. I, had lo- I had a lot of fun. This is a great, this is a great interview. Right? Oh, well, thank you. And for those of you listening, we will wrap the show with that.